Craft Beer Radio, episode 46, July 5th, 2006. Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Pear. This week we are doing Bell's Wheat Project, an interesting little Bell's project. It's a series of beers that Bell's put out late last year, I think. And what they did was they took almost the same beer, but they started messing with the wheat and the yeast that are used in the beer. The way it works is they have the same amount of barley uh-huh. and the same kinds of barley in, in all these beers. Okay. There's the same percentage of wheat in all these beers. Right. So one is 50% wheat A, 50% wheat B. The next beer is 25% four kinds of wheat. Okay. So you, it's always the same. I think it's – oh, it's in our notes. We'll talk about it later. Right. Yeah. We'll get into it later. First, business. This week we'll be at the All-American Beer Fest that in is Pittsburgh, on, on is Pittsburgh. It? It's is on it the Pittsburgh Grand Concourse, I think. It's at the Priory on the north side. Okay. It's a uh, Saturday. I'm going to try to get this show out like today or tomorrow. And I might even edit after the show. Okay. <laughs> so people should be able to hear this in time. Edit the show drunk. That'd be fun. Greg and I will be there. So if you are in town and check it out, keep look out for the guys in the Craft Beer Radio shirts. At least I'll be wearing mine. And uh, we may have a microphone. may record some of you guys. Yeah, we... Um also, next week, I will be in Sunnyvale, California from July 9th to the 15th. Ooh. I'll have training during the weekdays, but in the evenings, I will be open. So if any of the listeners out there would like to get together for a beer, just send me an email. guess we're not doing a show next week, then. No show next week. <laughs> uh, we want to, of course, mention our one year of CBR DVD. We, the, the link for, for purchasing is now very... Strategically Prom- located, prominently located at the top of the webpage. So and what this is, is it's our whole first year and the beginning of our second, right? Yeah. The longer I take, the more shows I'll put on the DVD. <laughs> and it has all our shows. It's a DVD-ROM for your computer. It's not a video DVD. You're not yeah. going to see us sitting here doing the shows on your TV or anything like that. <laughs> I don't know why you'd buy it if that was the case anyway. <laughs> but it's, it's just – it's everything from the all the audio, all the notes we've taken, and a couple extras just for DVD and you can get that for $25, and like Greg said, the link's on our website. Yeah. And it's not you know, $25 for the DVD. No, it's, all, it's really a donation to us, and the DVD is a gift we give to you. Sure. If there's any new listeners that I met at the Heavyweight Open House last weekend, welcome to the show. <laughs> awesome. And as always, there are several ways you can send us feedback. You can post a comment on our website, craftbeerradio.com. You can vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave a comment. Sign up for our awesome frapper map with the, all the cool little thingies. Pins across America. And you can send us an email or audio comment to the email address beer at craftbeerradio.com. And also, there's one more thing I'd like to mention in business. I uh, put it at the beginning of the last show. I edited it in. The podcast awards are now taking nominations. Oh, right. So all of you, if you think we're worthy, you can go there and you can nominate us. I'm not sure exactly how the nominations work. Apparently, you can nominate us, nominate us once a day. For every day that they're taking nominations. Okay. So I don't know if it's more of a vote or something, but I don't know. If we get in, we get in. We're so vote for us if you think. If you think we deserve it. We're not gonna win anyway. Beer show won last year. Yeah, that's true. So Okay, news. Brother David's double wins best in show at the California State Fair. So this is a Belgian double that's brewed by Anderson Valley. I've oh. never had it. I got some in the cellar, though, so now I'm pretty excited to have it. Okay. You no, know, I've had it before. It's, oh, it's good, yeah. Okay. It's the one with the wax, right? It's yeah. The wax cover, yeah. And uh, Slow News Week again. The other thing I had that was kind of interesting is the Brewers Association released their list of the 10 biggest brew pubs in the country. It starts off with Oscar Blues mm-hmm. Grill and Brewery in Lyons, right. Colorado. They distribute cans of beer here now, so they have wide distribution. Boundary Bay Brewery and Bistro in Bellingham, Washington. Sudwerk Private Brewery, Herbush in Davis, California. Elysian Brewing in Seattle, Washington. Eel River Brewing in Fort Chuna, California. Hofbrau House, Newport in Newport, Kentucky. Winecoop Brewing in Denver, Colorado is number seven. BJ's Brewery in Brea, California, eight. Monte Carlo Pub and Brewery, Las Vegas, Nevada. And Great Dane Pub and Brewery, Madison, Wisconsin. Send us more top ten lists for us to read. 
We could do like a whole late show thing. I'm sure well, Feast and Letters coming right away if we start Absolutely. the top ten list. Everyone's going to love that. On to email. Sean from San Diego says, I've only had the Thunderhead at Seattle Tack Airport and the Red Hook in a pub in Washington, and I remember they were okay. Just remember both of them being typical, nothing outstanding, but certainly don't remember any sewer drain or sulfur like we detected. Yeah, this was some of the beers that we had in the last show when I had my yeah. hypersensitivity to sulfur turned on. And the sewer drain was only there if you were looking for it, I think. Not for me. Well, not, but. not for Jeff. But, you know, when, when Jeff said it, I was like, okay, I can pick that out. But it kind of evolves. So, you know. He also said he loved the post show last week because he currently has some double Simcoe from mm-hmm. Wirebacher on his way. And now he's really excited <laughs> to get it. Yeah, Wirebacher has been impressing us lately. I've also read that they reformulated their hops infusion. So we need to retry all the rolled beers because yeah. I think they reworked most of them, if not all of them. Sounds like good. Steve from Lansing, Michigan writes in, I'm planning a little craft brew evangelism of myself in the form of a beer tasting for a group of my friends and I haven't, who haven't been exposed to good beer yet. I'm wondering if I should pick one style and provide a selection of beers from a single style or if I should try a bunch of different styles and give them a look at the landscape of what craft beer can be. What do you suggest? I would definitely suggest your second option, a bunch of different styles. For people who aren't experienced with craft beer, you're you're kind of giving them a lay of the land, and chances are they're going to find something, one or two, they like. Then once you get what they like, you can start verticals of that style. Right. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. If they're not familiar with craft beer, then they have no idea that there's a beer like a Belgian triple compared to an American IPA, compared to a stout. So you definitely need to grab... Beers from like you know the four corners of the beer universe, and give them you know give them to them. A good example is when I went down to see my parents. I brought them a smorgasbord of different okay. beer styles. I went for you know I did a, a Rodenbach and I did a uh, a, a Bornum Double and I did a Franzis Connor and a Prima Pills. So mm-hmm. I, I really kind of went all the angles. I did a Yeti. So I really went through a whole bunch of different styles. And there were some that they weren't quite fans of. They didn't really like the the Rodenbach too much, which I could understand. Mm-hmm. My mom wasn't a big fan of the Yeti. My dad loved it. Uh, they they both loved the Belgian double. They both loved the Bornham double. So that was a big hit. Let's see. If I was picking five styles, I would do a Belgian double. I would do a wit beer to contrast how different wheats, how drastically yeah. different wheats can taste. I would do um, a roasty porter or stout. I would do a an American IPA. And those are four beers. So I would probably pick those four corners to start with. And then, you know, if you have, if you're doing a bigger tasting, then, you know, pick, pick some other ones, but I don't want to waste too much time here. Yeah. I mean, I did like Rodenbach because my parents know what IPAs are like, but I wanted to give them, you know, here's something different. Here's something way <laughs> Very out. different. Yeah. yeah. Matt from Brisbane, Australia says the Australian craft brew scene is in its relative infancy compared to the States, given that we import MGD, Budweiser, and a few other macro lagers, but very few of your craft beers. I have long wondered how some of our better craft beers compared. Little Creatures Pale Ale was probably the one I'm most interested about. And as you said, it, it was an American-style pale ale. And it was really interesting to hear your take on it. Which episode was that? That was uh, That was 40? where we did the Oceanic show. I'm not sure how many back it was. It I was think in the it, late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, it was like 38 or 40 or something like that. That was our uh, yeah, Oceanic show. Uh, Little Creatures, he says, is a terrific beer. And I think we agreed. Yeah, I I thought it was one of the yeah. best American pale ales, you know, all around beers I've had, and it's not made in America. Yeah, he James had, Squire, remember James Squire? Yeah, that was, was another excellent. good one. I really love. He had that. a little tidbit here uh, from the Little Creatures website on their imported hops. It says Little Creatures Brewery holds its own quarantine permit, allowing the hops to be brought straight to the brewery, maintaining their freshness. That's good. So I never thought about that. I guess when you import hops from Oregon and Washington to Australia, they sit on the dock for yeah. who knows how long. And I'm sure they're not in a you know in the best of conditions sitting on those. For sure, even if they're they, pelletized, they can go bad. Yeah. Drew from Elkridge wrote in. He said he stopped buying Yards Brewing Company's beers for the reason he had several occasions running across infected bottles. And that's ooh. that prompted him. He prompt we prompted him to write that because how we said how the yards tasted last week, how sulfury it was, and everything. I'd like to say that we've had plenty of really good yards. Yeah, and I had a whole case of the the pale ale, and it was awesome. So I mean, so I mean, I wouldn't stray away from him, but I did want to to mention what he had to say here that he has had some quality control problems with him. But we've had very little quality yeah. control problems with him. Then again, we are. I mean, we're right here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, we're pretty close. What beer am I? 
Well, last week it was Breckenridge Vanilla Porter, which I haven't tried, and I'm kind of curious. Sounds interesting, yes. Yes, it does. Our winners were Paul, Jeremy, Sean, and Andrew. This week. Clues are from Scott again. I am the world's strongest fruit beer. I am made with over one ton of Oregon and Delaware raspberries. I come in a 750 milliliter cap bottle. I am made by a brewery whose beers are known for being off-center. If you have a guess for this one, it's kind of an easier one than we have been doing. Send us an email to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And we talked about skunking a couple episodes ago. We did a scientific explanation of why skunking happens. got some good feedback on it. You did some great work with the research. (laughs) So I spent several hours yesterday preparing mine. We'll see if it's geeky enough, see if it stands up to yours. We'll see. This is all about hops. What are hops? What you know, you hear about hops all the time. This what is more they? about I like to call this one get to know your hops. Learn what kind of flavors they contribute. Well at the same time you're also talking about, you know, oh. where they come from and everything like that. I mean yeah. I think it's a it's a well rounded example. Okay. So let's begin. Humulus lupulus. Hops are the flowering cone of a perennial vining plant, the cousin of cannabis variety. Sorry, no THC in this stuff. <laughs> that typically thrives in climates similar to the ones that grapes do. Hop plants are dioecious, we think. <laughs> Meaning that males and females flower on separate plants and female cones are used in the brewing process. Hops also have minor uses in antimicrobial and medical uses like hop pillows, teas, and tonics. A hop pillow? Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Hmm. Sleep on a pillow of hops? Now, hops are best grown at 35 to 55 degrees north or south latitude. Major hop-producing regions are Germany, United States, China, Czech Republic, Poland, Slovenia, England, Russia, Ukraine, and South Australia. That's a lot of places hops can grow. In the United States, most commercial hops are grown in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. Other places that used to produce hops but don't have clients that are as well-suited as the Pacific Northwest are California, Wisconsin, and New York along with other New England states. So the cone of the hop plant is what is actually used in the brewing process. The hop cone consists of a lot of cellulose and other vegetative material. But what we really care about are the resins and the essential oil, the small yellow lupulin glands, which are near the stem of the hop cone, contain these oils and resins. And yes, flowers have glands. They are soft and hard resin, and most of the soft resin is either alpha acids or beta acids. Specific alpha acids are humulone, cohumulone, and adhumulone. Alpha acids account for 3 to 15% of the total weight. Beta acids are lupone, colupone, and adlupone. You see a similarity there? There are also uncharacterized soft resins and hard resins. Out of all these compounds, the alpha acids are the ones that are responsible for the lion's share of the bitterness in the beer. The ratios of the kinds of alpha acids that are present affect the way that the hop bitters the beer. For example, high levels of cohumulone can come across as a harsh and unpleasant bitterness. For flavor and aroma, the component that we need to examine are the essential oils. These can be from 0.5 to 3% the weight of the hop. There have been 250 compounds found in beer from the essential oils, but only a few dozen are believed to play a major role in contributing to flavor and aroma. But there are maybe many more that contribute to the overall effect. The major classes of essential oils consist of oxygen-free hydrocarbons, oxygenated products, and sulfur-containing compounds. And we know about those sulfur-containing compounds, don't we? Yep. Uh, some key members are micrine, humulene, karyophylline, and farnesne. Farnesne? Interesting. These, or maybe it's just farnesne. <laughs> I don't know. These compounds are highly volatile and rarely survive in their native form when boiled, but are believed to contribute to the fresh hop flavor associated with dry hopping, which is when you stick the hops directly in there. Micrine is described as pungent and is found in hops typically higher in alpha. Humulene is mostly described as delicate. In aroma hops, humulene is found in equal or higher amounts than micrine. In bittering hops, it's much lower. Spicy flavors are typically caused by two compounds, humulene epoxides and humulene diepoxides, which are humulene oxidation products. Herbal flavor is from Humulol and linolol oxides. <laughs> linolol, that's a weird one. Yep. How do they come up with these names for chemicals anyway? They got nothing better it to do. It is ridiculous, <laughs> and they, they just want to trip us up, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. Citrus and piney, uh, which are some of my favorites, 
come from citrol, nerol, limonene, catenines, beta selenine, alpha muroline, <laughs> and from micrine or hydrocarbons native to hops. Floral or flowery are also from linalool. Geraniol, ferranol, acetate, and geranoisobutyride, which are micrine oxidation products. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. If that wasn't geeky enough for you. Now, what kind of flavor should you expect? I picked out a couple of different um, hops here okay. that we can go through. Yeah. Cluster was once the dominant hop. It's an old variety and has few attractive features. The dominant U.S. hop. Dominant U.S. hop, yeah. Um, it's, not, it's, it's a hop I was trying to think of last week when I was talking about an old nasty hop that no one uses anymore. Mm. If it is used, it'll be used by the macro brewers who only need just such a little bit for right. bitterness, but you know, nothing where you want to actually perceive the flavor of the bitterness or anything like that. Now, Columbus are the new super alpha variety, 14 to 16% alpha. And like we said before, the alpha acids are, are really bitter. We had a, someone, we had two people write in this week. Columbus hops are apparently the same as Tomahawk and Zeus hops. Hmm. Different hop farms have different trademark names. Yeah. It's really annoying trying to figure these things out when, you know, a certain farm calls the same, basically the same hop, something yeah. different. They had that same problem with, uh, Certain uh, t- types of t- uh, potatoes, okay. like you know, a russet potato might be called something different somewhere else. Okay, East Kent Goldings. This is a traditional English aroma hop, generally preferred over Fuggle hops for finish and dry hopping. Fuggle is one of Britain's most popular hops, used for finishing and aroma. It has a pronounced, somewhat spicy, but it's not a pun- not a pungent flavor. Now, do you know why Goldings are preferred over Fuggles? I think it's a newer, more refined hop, so you get more flavor, more bitter, what are, more flavor and aroma for for less hop. I okay. think. Okay, so it, it's really more by the brewers than, than the actual. If I got most of this information from that book right there, Greg, the Designing Great Beers mm-hmm. from Ray Daniels, the Howertow Hersbrock, which is an interesting name for a hop, we usually just call them Howertow. It's an aroma hop. It's spicy. It's a little floral. It rates slightly higher than the Zotz hop for fruity uh, fruitiness. And but lower in it's spiciness. lower in the spiciness. Hallertau Mittelfra, some consider the king of the noble hops, used in German-style pilsners to give that refined, high-quality hop flavor. Or in some cases, that metallic flavor that we can sometimes <laughs> get from it. But that's just us, our, our strange palates. Mount Hood is a Hallertau descendant, which is actually grown in America. And it's used in American German-style lagers. And I don't know how, much, how many Mount Hoods I've had. Not too much, I don't think. Yeah. Northern Brewer is a medium to high alpha hop grown in Germany. It is reportedly the only hop used in Anchor Steam. Hmm. So if you you pretty much know what that hop tastes like yeah. when it's used if you have Anchor Steam. Nugget is a cross between Brewer's Gold and East Kent Goldings and a Bavarian hop. It is has good storage properties and sharp bitterness, but Ray Daniel says little else to recommend about it. Pride of Ringwood is an Australian hop, a cross between a wild Tasmanian hop and English Pride of Kent. It has relatively high alpha acid levels, whereas Zotz, or the Czech hop, the true noble type hop with fine aroma and flavor, and prototypical hop for Pilsners, uh, herbal and spicy. The Zotz hop is the one that's spelled S-A-A-Z. Yeah. Tettnanger, a German noble type, it provides a fine character that includes spicy, herbal, and flowery. Willamette, which is bred from Fugles, is in the U.S. and provides an alternative, American alternative, to English aroma hops. Now we got two more here. We have Amarillo. It's a relatively new brand from Virgil Gamash Farms Incorporated. Alpha acids are 8 to 10%, loaded with beta resins. It's only made by the Virgil Gamash Farms. And the Simcoe, or the... Uh, it was a hop that the farm... The hop... Uh, engineers were trying to come up with something that was um, high in alpha acid but low in cohumulone for use by the big breweries because they could use less hops mm-hmm. in their beer and it would be cheaper. And But if it was high in alpha acid, it would be bitter, right? But they'd only need to use a little bit of it. Mm. So they have to, they'd be able to use less hops and save money. So... They, that's what these guys made this hop for, but it's been picked up by the craft brewers, and the big breweries haven't really started to use it yet. I see. 
probably shoving a lot more Simcoe than people expected into beers, knowing the American craft beer is the very least. So there is a short, brief look at what hops are and what kind of hops are. We know it's, it's not all-encompassing, but it does hopefully give you an idea of what to expect from certain different types of hops. There's a couple of links on the website for some of the places where I got my source material. And if you want something that will spin your head with those compound names, uh, get Designing Great Beers uh, from Ray Daniels. There's a link yeah. on the website to get that from Amazon as well. You guys try reading all those chemical names. Well, let's get the beers. It's time for the Wheat Project, isn't it? Absolutely. In these beers, we're not going to find much of that good hoppy uh, technical stuff that we talked yeah. about. But uh, you and I are both fans of wheat, so we'll see how it goes. Bell's Wheat Project 2005. It's an experimental foray into the development of complex flavors, they say, in beer. The project comprises five new ales, four in a series, and one specially strong product. The first four, Wheat 2, Wheat 4, Wheat 6, and Wheat 8, we're trying Wheat 2 right now, are all made of 55% wheat, either wholly or mostly malted, and 45% barley malt. This is Wheat 2, like we say. It's uh, kind of um, orange. Oh, hold on. you got to do a little... Uh... Uh-oh, Jeff didn't pour the uh, the yeast. Greg's was clear and mine was cloudy, so let's do a little bit of this. Yeah. Jeff is pouring the beer now back and forth, kind of like in that scene in Goonies. And, yeah, that's good enough. So, it's, uh, okay, it's a cloudy orange, I suppose you would call it, with a, a, a pillowy head. Well, I was pouring the beers back and forth. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say what the head is like because of all that pouring Jeff did. By the way, we're drinking these in pint glasses. And, and a little bit of lemony. Lemony and uh, and... and Not quite biscuity, but something, some kind of... Uh, There's a bready aroma from all the yeast. A little bit of bread, a little bit of lemon. Like pizza dough or something oh, yeah. like that. It's, it's more... I expected these to be kind of clean, like, you know, for no good reason other yeah. than the Bell's Oberon is a nice, clean American yeah. wheat. This one does smell more um, like a German Weizen or something like that. A bit flowery, too. I'm detecting some of that. It's got a malty flavor to it, you know. It's, it, it's sweet, um, with with a slight amount of bitterness and kind of, um, I guess, closer closest to a citrus, like an orange uh, flavor in the in the back of your tongue, or about really around the middle of your tongue. That's good. Yeah, but it, it, it's sweet. <laughs> it's, it, it's it's an interesting kind of sweetness that uh, yeah. wasn't really expected. Well, the carbonation levels are kind of low right now. That yeah. could have been from me doing the uh, let's mix up the beer by pouring it back and forth. Oh, let's see. What do we got in there? We got, it certainly has a creamy mouthfeel, creamy, creamy feel to it. And there's some sweet, nice malt sweetness to it. Um, You know, we sometimes get, you know, usually gives you that kind of tartness to it. Yeah. I'm not getting too much tart in this one. No, I'm getting, like I say, a little bit of kind of citrus flavor, but it's not mm -hmm. tart. It's just, you know, a little bit of orange. Uh, This is wheat too. This, the, the wheats are white and dark. Uh, and the yeast is Bell's House Ale Strain and WLP 410 Belgian Wit 2. Nice. So, so there's half wit beer yeast in here. You know, and I'm kind of getting some of um, some of those esters. A little bit of fruitiness, a little bit of floweriness. Yeah. The um, The esters almost come across as like a little bit of an alcohol warmingness. There's a little bit of that and you know very on the very flaring edges of my tongue I'm getting just a slight amount of you know slight amount of spiciness. Okay. A little pepperiness. Maybe it's a little bit of those but I don't think I'm really tasting the alcohol in this beer. It's not it doesn't seem to be a very high alcohol beer. But well, from the, there, But from the yeast I'm getting a little bit of aromatics that is reminiscent of that. Now, I read somewhere that if it doesn't say the alcohol percentage on the bottle, it's less. It's 6% or less. I don't know whether that's true or not. I do not know. This was from about 7,083. I can tell you that right now. They had a lot of batches of this, didn't they? Or is this just the 7,083 batch? The brewery, since the brewery opened, yeah. yeah. 
this is really tasty, but it's almost it's it, it it's really sweet for a wheat beer. It's not the kind of sweetness. I mean, the sweetness is a little is, is sticking there a little bit. It's not like it's not sticking to the tongue, but it, it's staying with you. It's staying with the beer. Yeah, it's not quite as. I guess you know with the sweetness hanging around. It, it's less refreshing than mm. a normal wheat beer. It's not bad. I wouldn't say this is bad, but it's probably not as you would call refreshing as a traditional, white you know, vison or something like that. It's almost. I mean, like, it's almost as sweeter, sweeter than a Dunkelweiss. So I went to the heavyweight open house last week. Ah, uh, yes. How was that? It was amazing. Really. I wish you could have came. It was so cool. The open house comes. Everyone comes. They bring their own beer. Beers hard to find beers from all over the world. Really, and especially since especially since it was the last one, and it's just everyone knows each other. the The community and the camaraderie at these open houses it's just astonishing. And uh, I've had four beers off my hard to find wish list. Oh, really? I had New Glorious Raspberry Tart, the Belgian Red. I had the sour beer from Dogfish Head. I forget which, how to pronounce the name. I forget the name of it. It's um, if I saw it, I'd recognize it. But I forget the name. It's, I mean, we had Ocaram. No, no, it's it's one of their special ones. It was a seven hundred fifty milliliter bottle. Um, it's one of those ones we read on the list when we did the Dogfish mm-hmm. Head vertical. That it was really nice. Speaking had, of which, I've been looking for Ocaram. I can't find it anywhere. Is it out? I don't think it's coming out until uh, later. Yeah, okay, it's probably. Um, had a bunch of other sour beers. It was. It was awesome. Plus, I got to have some of Tom's last several batches. He did a rye beer with bread uh, yeast. Hmm. <laughs> he calls it's called a slice of rye, slice of bread rye or something <laughs> like that. He put in like a whole bunch of coriander seeds, you know, to get the rye malt, you know, the the, the rye the traditional rye flavor along with the rye malt. And that was great. He brewed this Viking beer. He used juniper, and I uh, he told me about so many beers. I I don't think he boiled that one. And uh, really, <laughs> and then he, this beer's not ready yet. He's it's going to be in the barrels for another year or so. But he did a wild beer. He this is, while this is Tom he, from Tom Baker from Heavyweight. Yeah, while he was bro- boiling the beer, he unhooked his mash tun. He dragged it outside, mm-hmm. and then he I think what I don't think he cooled the the wort. I think while it was still hot. He piped it over to the mash tun, put some cheesecloth over the mouth of it, and let it inoculate overnight with the wild yeast in New Jersey. Ooh! <laughs> it uh, it's gonna. He says he's gonna keep it in barrels for a year or two. Yeah, it'll mellow it out, and I can't. Yeah, it'd be awesome to be able to try wow. that beer. Wow! It was, and he had a whole bunch of old one-time one places that he pulled out of you know the cellar, and we we drank a whole bunch of different unique beers. It was very, very Where'd cool. Where'd you stay? Did you get to a hotel or something? No, no, on Tom's floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was with Scott from Eastern Brewing Company, and we stayed at Tom's place. Wow, that's so. pretty cool. And then way back, we stopped at Victory, and Victory just got in eight 200-barrel fermenters. These things are 30 feet tall, 15 feet wide, you know, in diameter. Right. Huge freaking fermenters. And uh, I had no idea the scale of Victory Brewing Company. They got a lot of fermenter space, and they can move a lot of beer once they're up hooked up and running. That's pretty cool. It was really, really nice trip. So we're about done with this one. This is the wheat two, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, like we say, it's sweeter than we expect. A little bit of a citrus and a little bit of orangeness, and mostly flowery flavors. If I remember right. When listeners told us about these beers, they said the wheat two and the four had nice flavors, and they thought the six and the eight were kind of muddled. Okay. And if you read this, you know, description about the Bell's Wheat Project, Larry was trying to get at, you know, adding more and more complexity to these beers. Right. So it's going to be a challenge finding the complexity and not thinking it's just becoming muddled. So keep that in mind as all we right, progress. Right. Sort of like Iron Chef, you want to taste all the separate ingredients at the same time, appreciating how they come together as a whole. Wheat four. Yes, they're going on two, four, six, and eight here. This is uh, made with white victory, toasted sprouts, and torrified wheats. Toasted sprouts, huh? Uh, the yeast is WLP five fifty Belgian, WLP five seventy. Toasted wheat Golden, sprouts. That's crazy. <laughs> and wheat two blend, and uh, a lot of head on this sucker. Yeah, it's and pouring. it's uh, even darker. And I'm making sure I'm swirling and getting plenty of yeast in these. Stop. Ooh. Stop. It's 
Jeff just got it. So got the hang time. I got yeah. it like a, almost half inch over the edge of the glass, and it's not falling over. Sweet. I'll pour you a little bit more once your head subsides. Right. I'm smelling some nice aroma off these already. Ooh, you can really uh, smell those toasted sprouts. <laughs> it's hard to get aroma because there's so much head here, and it's just you know lifting up the. There, there is a, a toasted smell to that though, and the aroma it, it toasted weed. Yeah, it, it's different. It, it's maybe something you give it from a um, a dark wheat beer, or um, no, it's really not a Weizenbach. Head go down. Got a um, nice cloudy uh, orange iced tea color. Mm-hmm. Here, check this out. Right even here. even more that cloudy. nucleation point is going insane. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> even more, you know, even, even cloudier than the last one, and you know, really kind of um, getting close to opaque, but not quite there. <laughs> Now, I don't know whether this is because you haven't poured it back and forth, but there's certainly more intense carbonation on this one um, and less sweetness. Well, this one poured with a huge head, so there is more yeah. carbonation than the last one, and none of it got worked out like with the yeah. last one. So it's a, it's two steps ahead. Less sweetness, uh, a little bit bolder, I think. Um, that toast is really coming through for me. Yeah. In the mid to late aftertaste, I'm really getting a, a toasted roasty flavor. This is the wheat four. Now, what's interesting here is I'm looking at what we're having, and basically each one is being built on. In terms of the wheats, the the wheats are just being added. And the reason why it's wheat two, wheat four, wheat six, wheat eight is because that's the amount of wheats that are going, amount of different right. types of wheats and yeasts and yeasts. No. Well, no, well, no, because the 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 wheat two only uses two yeasts, but the wheat four uses only three, and the wheat six only uses oh. three. Okay. So it's just it's a matter of the types of wheat right, that are okay, going in there. Right. They, they, you said they built. They don't because the wheat four doesn't have dark. The six has okay. dark again. But okay, I see. Right, and and the wheat six doesn't have victory, but the wheat eight has all of them. <laughs> Every kind of wheat he could find. Yeah, interesting. I wonder how he decided which ones to use. Now again, uh, the wheat two had white and dark, and the wheat four has white victory, toasted sprouts, and torrified wheats. <clears throat> Less citrusness here, but it, it, if the other one was was orange, this is more lemony, and it's a weird mix with toastiness, tartness. Still flowery though. I can still get that floweriness there. Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm certainly get, I'm getting a different Belgian flavor now, and there's the WLP five fifty Belgian yeast. Yeah. So you can certainly taste that Belgian. But there's no, there's not Belgian sugar in this as far as we know. No, but that explains a lot of the aftertaste that's sitting on my tongue right now. It, it's, um, it's, you know what it's reminiscent to? And you tell me if you agree with this. It's similar to a Unibrew aftertaste. I don't know. That, that's, uh, that may be kind of a stretch for me. Oh, okay. It's, it's to me it's a kind of that mouth coating that I get in the Unibrew aftertaste that that the the characteristic of Unibrew house yeast that I don't care for. Hmm. Uh, no, I, I'm actually I'm I'm enjoying this one. Uh, this is this is to me a a, a better take on, on the style than than the wheat two. I think even though wheat two is pretty good. But yeah, this kind of does strike me a little bit. You know, it's leaning in a Belgian te- Belgian way. It's a Belgian mm-hmm. tendency, I suppose. But um, you know, I kind of like the the lemony flavor, and I, I like that there are a little bit. There are, you know, like you say, a couple more layers of complexity here. It's a, it's a little bit more. No, this number six. It has. No, we're on four. I know, but look at the yeasts for number six. It has the Trappist, the Abbey, and the yeasts that are used in wheat four. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Whoa, all See, right. And number four has the yeasts that are used in two. Oh, yeah. Plus Look at that. the golden and the Belgian. So you're right. So it does so have it is, four yeasts. It is the, uh, the, wow. So the yeasts are building upon the previous beer. So this one has the Bell's House Ale Strain, a Belgian wheat yeast, a 
the the White Labs five fifty Belgian, and the White Labs five seventy Golden. Hmm. Crazy man, it's yeah. crazy. That's nuts. I would love Larry to get back and touch me so I could have interviewed him before this show. I emailed Larry Bell. He's like, yeah, I'll do an interview. I'm like, okay, how about this date or this date? Never got back to me. So I could drink a couple more of that. That was pretty good. That head never fully went away. I still got a nice chunk of it in my yeah. glass. That was wheat four. Now on to wheat six. Remember, these are all by Bells. I guess we don't really have to rinse the glasses since no. each beer <laughs> yeah. builds on the previous beer. Okay, so this one uses for wheats... White, dark, toasted sprouts, torrified, and new ones here, red and caramel. And the yeasts are the Bell's House Ale Strain, the WLP 410 Belgian Wit, WLP 550 Belgian, WLP 570 Golden, WLP 500 Trappist, and WLP 530 Abbey. So we're definitely adding a lot of Belgian wheats in here. And this one has just as so much head as the last one. Look at the beautiful color on this one. It's a really dark amber. It's not um, kind of a, a woody, you know, sort of a, a, finished, yeah, a finished wood color. Yeah, I was just going to say it looks like a wood stain or something like that. I don't know which kind of cherry maybe. Mm-hmm. And now, now that I um, sort up the yeast, the pretty clearness we got in the first part of the glasses are a nice full cloudiness. <laughs> It's a brown, but there's a little bit of orange highlights to it. Nice and cloudy. I see what they mean by getting muddy because it's getting harder and harder to pick out individual aromas here. You you get kind of a a mess of of aroma together. It's hard to to differentiate. Wow. (laughs) I'm having a hard time smelling any aroma right now. Through this monstrous head, it's all getting trapped. Well, it's there, but it's just it, it it's not separating. It, it it's all combining into something wholly like part of itself. Mm. Yeah, I like the flavor on this one a lot better than the four. Ooh, that's almost it's almost lot, smoked. Yeah, it's it, a lot more roasted. There's almost smoke in that. I think. I'm not really picking up like true smoke, but it's yeah. it's bore, you know getting close to that. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that's nice. <laughs> I want to say that reminds me of a, um, like a, a Dunkelweizen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. This is more reminiscent of a Dunkelweizen. Uh, you know, the thing that's coming to mind now is is maybe a sweet apple or a, a grape. I'm just trying hmm. to pick out the flavor here because it's, it, you know, the there's, other ones are more citrusy. There's definitely toffee. I just got toffee. A whole bunch of toffee. Okay, yeah. Oh, Yes. Bingo, toffee, um, and I'm trying to think. There's maybe even a, a little bit of, 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 of coffee toffee, a little bit of, okay. of coffee flavors there. Toffee and which I suppose comes from the caramel wheat. Hmm. I can't think of it. I mean, I'm thinking it's. I'm, I'm, you know, all the words I come up with are like, not it. But I mean, I'm getting kind of a, yeah, like a caramel apple, like you know that sort of. That kind of sweetness combined with, like you said, that sort of toffiness. You know what this tastes like? Bell's Wheat Six. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want an example of what Bell's Wheat Six tastes like, try Bell's Wheat Six. Then I'll have a good idea. Oh, you'll be pretty close. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I got in there with it. It's, there's a... Um... You know, it reminds me of... I guess there's a little bit of clove, but it's it's just minor, minor clove. You know those, uh, what is it, the um, little black chocolate candies that uh, they're rides in or something like that? Uh, I don't know. Or maybe almost like Werther's, but a little bit darker than Werther's Originals. So you're getting a little bit of something like butterscotch or... A little bit, yeah. You know, like like you said, I mean, I, I think... Caramel apple is a, is a good way to describe it. But the sweetness is kind of – is a little bit hidden. I'm trying to find the apple you're talking about. When you first taste it, you get a sweetness. That sweetness kind of subsides into the toffiness. But that sweetness to me is a little bit apple-like, a little bit. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. I mean I'm getting a wheat flavor at the beginning. Maybe almost, almost – 
slightly like watermelon. Not you know, not kind of as rich and fruity, but <laughs> sweet like a watermelon. Hmm, nice. Not seeing that. See, the first flavor I get is a a nice tart, zippy wheat flavor, like you get in a lot of wheat beers. But then it melds into this wonderful toffee flavor. <clears throat> this roasted wheat toffee flavor, it just melds right into that. And mm. and I want to hold on to that part right there, that transition. Like not just the toffee flavor, like lingering, but the transition is the best part of this beer. Still, now the yeast in this thing is just crazy. Yeah, Trappist Abbey Belgian Golden. Belgian wit. I'm still tasting a lot of the wit character in the beer. You, you are? I think so. Hmm. I was hoping the Abbey would really take hold of this one. I was getting, but I'm still tasting a lot of wheat, wit. And maybe the Trappist too. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, very tasty. Bell's Wheat 6. Now, we should say we haven't talked about where you can get hold of these. Oh, around Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They we didn't ship them very far. Center, right? And, you know, the whole series might be over. I don't know exactly when yeah. this was brewed. But it's a fun experiment, and it's fun for us trying to explain it to people. And it gives Bells some much-deserved attention. Absolutely. Bells makes more stouts than any other brewery I know. If you're not familiar with Bells Brewing Company, they're in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In their normal lineup, they make like five different stouts. Mm-hmm. They have the Kalamazoo stout, which is a nice roasty American stout. It, it it tastes like you have chocolate powder in your mouth. It's right. so roasty. They have the Bell's Expedition stout, mm-hmm. Imperial stout. That's a seasonal, but it's one of my favorite Imperials. They have a cherry stout. Cherry stout. It, it's a very tart stout. Yeah, it's not my favorite. I don't like it all that much. They have a Java stout, which is awesome. Java stout's awesome. They have a double cream stout, which is decent. Mm-hmm. That was on our cream show. I think that was one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. They, uh, what else do they have? Well, those, those are five they have right there that they produce year round. So, well, the expedition is the only one of those that isn't year round. I think, oh. and the Java might be kind of might be year round, but it's not made as much as the other ones type thing. It's too bad because man, I love coffee beers. So that's wheat six. Let's add two more to it, Greg. What do you say? (laughs) Let's do it. Let's go for wheat number eight. This has all of the previous wheats, which were white, dark, toasted sprouts, torrified, red, and caramel, and adds to it chocolate. That's it. (laughs) There's victory in it, too. Oh, victory. Okay, yeah, okay, I see where it's going, yeah. So, white, dark, victory, toasted sprouts, torrified, red caramel, chocolate, and in terms of the yeast... This one's pouring with a stout-colored head. Look at that sucker. Well, it has chocolate, I mean... Chocolate? Chocolate wheat. wheat. Uh, Bell's House Ale Strain, WLP 410 Belgian Wit 2, WLP 550 Belgian, WLP 570 Golden, WLP 500 Trappist, WLP 530 Abbey, and it adds... A different wit beer. WLP 4000 Belgian wit, and check this out, WLP 565 Saison. Wow. <laughs> that should be interesting. Look at how dark that is. It it looked like a, um, a dark brown ale until I got the yeast in there, uh-huh. and now it looks porter. That Yeah, you, you hand that to me, I'd say it's a porter. Getting the aromas, it's smelling much of... Oh, I'm getting a huge amount of chocolate. I'm getting a little bit, but my nose must have stopped working two beers ago because you'd think I'd be overwhelmed with aroma and it's hard for me to find anything. I get chocolate and even a bit of of phenolic kind of cinnamon. And look at how dark that is. It's crazy. Huh. Sweet, a little bit nutty. Um, a little bit uh, not not quite as thick as you expect from a dark, you know, you see a beer that's dark, you expect something a little bit more thicker mouthfeel. Yeah, feel. this one is like less, you know, like, oh, it's great toffee in six. I'm not getting nearly as much toffee mm-hmm. or roast in this one. 
So like the, the chocolate wheat mustn't provide much chocolate or roasting the flavor to it. It gives it kind of a hmm a little bit of a of an extra tartness there, I think. Yeah, a little um, it, how would I describe that? It would be a a short tart flavor. I mean, this finish okay. is really clean. This finish is cleaner than the rest of the, all the other beers. I disagree. You don't? I'm still getting a, a lingering uh, chocolatey, uh, okay, tangy. I'm getting. You no, know when I just swallowed and you know moved some saliva around, I got a little bit of chocolate, but I'm not getting any of that lingering wheat, lemony. Really? Because I, I am totally. It's it's all there, and lingering for me. And look at this. You can see in my head. There's a little darker spot in there. <laughs> Eight yeasts. Mm. Eight yeast in a beer. Mm. You would think with that many, or you know, with mixing multiple yeasts, by nature, some of those yeasts are going to propagate more than others. Right. So they're going to have a more dominant impact on the flavor of the beer. And you just wonder which ones those are. Because, I mean, like, for example, if the Saison was the dominant one, being a yeast that ferments at warmer temperatures and is more wild than the other ones, uh-huh. you would think it would take over. But I'm really not getting the flavors from really? it. Really? Because I'm, I'm kind of thinking that the Saison is actually hitting up a lot of the tartness in here. Okay. I don't think it's just attributable to the chocolate uh, wheat. I think it's also... That saison yeast is adding kind of a little bit of, of extra tartness to to the flavor here. It, I don't know if if this is um, you know I you know you get a beer like this and you, I think you want something a little bit thicker. Well, that's the first thing I noticed. When you look at the color, you expect a certain mouthfeel. Yeah, and the first sip tasted with my expectations. It came across as super watery. Yeah. No, I've readjusted my expectations, and it, it's, a thin, it's a thinner mouthfeel. I mean, think of it more like you know when you drink a sports beer and you think it's a you know you think mm-hmm. you're getting a stout. Mm-hmm. You you know your first expectation is going to be like, oh, super watery. What's wrong with it? But with the rest of the flavors here, you're also expecting that kind of thickness. You know, some of these flavors are, are you know the chocolate especially are really reminiscent of a stout flavor. Well, we've never and, had chocolate wheat before. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that the, some of the flavors. You taste this and you're like, you know, okay, I've had some of those flavors before in stouts, and here I am getting this in a thinner beer. Do I like them more in the thicker beer or in the thinner beer? I think I like them more in the thicker style. Oh. I think I think the, the thicker kind of holds up better to those flavors, whereas the, the, the thinner feel, the thinner mouthfeel doesn't hold up as well with those flavors. For me, this one has the least aftertaste, and... Um Remember I was talking about that Unibrew aftertaste I had in the first couple? You know, it's not something I really care for, that coat, mouth coating, whatever it is. This is the Bell's Wheat 8. And this way. one doesn't have it. So if I had to order them by just like flat out drinkability, you know, I'm more inclined to take a second sip of this one than, you know, mm. faster than the other ones. Really? Mm-hmm. Because for me, Even four, though I like four was the, the most drinkable and six was probably the best so far. Well, hey, let's do let's do the ranking. And well, we'll do the we'll do the love in the post show. It's, okay. it's a wheat wine. Yeah, all right. we can't have that and another beer. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah. Okay. So for me, my ranking would go like this. I think six is the best of the bunch. I think that toffee there mm-hmm. was really awesome, and and uh, that kind of that caramel apple taste. Mm, really delicious. Uh, if you want to try something awesome, go for six. I would then Let's say, see if you can find any of these anywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. I would then say four because, I, like I said, I think four is the most drinkable of the bunch, the one which I could drink a whole bunch. I had the kind of lemony, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And then I'd probably go with uh, probably go with two. Okay. Uh, I would say you know the orangey you know was decent. It wasn't it wasn't quite what I was expecting, but it was it was pretty good. And wheat eight is is not bad, but it. it it's so those flavors. I expect a thicker beer with those flavors, and maybe you know, maybe I just need my expectations to be slammed against a wall or something. But right, it, it, I just feel like I'm tasting that flavor, and I want it to be more balanced with with a thicker mouthfeel, and I don't get that. So that's why I think eight is the last for me. Okay, so for me, 
Most interesting beer and most drinkable beer are two different beers. Right. Yeah, same for me. Most interesting will be number six. Mm-hmm. That that toffee flavor from the toasted sprouts in that beer was awesome. And yeah, if you can find any that beer or anything like that beer, you need to give that flavor a try. For number two, it's gonna be a tight one because then there's my two most drinkable beers of the night. And that's between the Wheat 8 and the Wheat 2. Okay. I think I'm going to put the Wheat 8 slightly ahead of the Wheat 2. It's, it's a little more complex. I, I kind of liked that porterish, not full, little bit of roastiness. I kind of liked how that came across. And I'm not going to ding it too much for not having the mouthfeel. First sip, I was expecting more mouthfeel. But once I realized I didn't have it, I'm like, well, yeah, it's not a porter. It's 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 a wheat yeah. beer with roasted, you know, with black chocolate wheat in it. Um, so I wasn't going to ding it too much on that. Wheat two's right behind it. I thought it was nice and drinkable, not quite as complex as number eight. So I'm going to put that one third. And then the wheat four, that was the one that had that aftertaste. I didn't care for that. that yeah. What I called a couple times unibrew aftertaste. So I'm going to put that one last. Those were the wheats, everybody. Tune in to the post show to hear us drink the Love's or the Wheat love Bell's ale. Wheat Love Ale, which is a wheat wine. It's using all of the wheats and all of the yeasts, uh, and I guess and it'll have a higher gravity than these yeah. beers. Like these ones all have the same amount of barley. Well, that one's going to have more barley and more wheat in it. <laughs> so tune in for that and and see how crazy we get with this wheat wine. So come on down, see us at the Brewfest in. Uh, this weekend we're not going to do a show next week because i'll be in california and the week after we'll be back with some listener contributed beers awesome all right see y'all in a few weeks that's all for craft beer radio you can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in mp3 the opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.